0: Welcome to the Somatic Primer Podcast with Bryson, an ongoing cross-discipline dialogue of all things
1: somatics. Hello, welcome to the Somatic Primer Podcast. I'm your host, Bryson. Today I had the pleasure to interview Vivian Chapra, Senior Alexander Teacher, teacher Teacher-Trainer. Vivian began studying the Alexander Technique in 1977 in Cape Town, South Africa, under Joyce Roberts. In 1983, she completed her teacher training certification under the famous Walter Carrington in London at the Constructive Teaching Center. She has a master's degree in psychology from the University of Cape Town and a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. Vivian and her husband Neil, also an Alexander teacher, moved from South Africa to Cincinnati, Ohio and founded the Alexander Technique of Cincinnati a school for training Alexander teachers, as well as the Four Winds Academy, a school for the healing arts and sciences. Vivian has written and co-authored several books, including guided lessons for students of the Alexander Technique. If you'd like to find out more about Vivian and her work, you can visit Chapara.com. I'll also leave l- links in the show notes on our webpage, thematicprimer.com. In this episode, we discuss Vivian's background and how she got into the Alexander Technique. We discuss what the Alexander Technique is, the fundamentals of the technique including inhibition, means whereby, and directing, and then finally the teacher's role in the practice and then for new students how to get what you need out of a lesson. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And I'm noticing the depth, which I already knew, but even appreciating it more of the means whereby of the Alexander Technique.
2: Yes. The mm-hmm. Means Whereby, which is a, is a, a formula for living. Yes. You know, it, it's Alexander Technique, both inhibition and Means Whereby, are, and, the, and the capacity to direct. Those are all things that you just want to apply to life. You don't even have to worry about your postures or your body. Just, mm-hmm. just see if you're applying those concepts to the way you're living, and you can do better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah all
1: right so we can just start at the beginning here we can uh, with your background with the technique and how you got like what attracted you to it
2: what attracted me to the alexander technique well i was young and i was looking for something that would help me with my posture awful posture really really awful posture it was so bad that people in the street would stop and say then this was in south africa they say. Stand up straight, girly, stand up straight, because I was so hunched over. And I really, the more hunched over I was, the more people would advise me to stand up straight, the worse I would feel about myself, the more I would hunch over. Mm -hmm. And so that was from when I was, you know, probably before 10 years of age. And I went all through my teenage years, just watching in dismay as my body was sort of collapsing. I, I remember I used to stand in front of the mirror, and I'd sort of straighten up. And, of course, we wouldn't even use those terms in Alexander Technique anymore. We'd say lengthen up. But I would straighten up, and I'd pull on my shoulders, and I'd put my shoulders back, suck my stomach in, do all those standard cultural uh, directions for posture. And while I was watching, I would watch my body collapse back down again. Mm. And what I didn't realize, and it's very interesting, and I was from a tennis playing Family And what I didn't realize is that my body was so strong. My muscles were so strong. I was a a big sports player and I was athletic. And that strength was literally pulling me down. Literally. We know that term in Alexander technique, if you kind of hunched over and you're shortening down the front, we call that pulling down. And that is the strength of one's own muscles. So if you are very strong, especially if you do a lot of abdominal work, but you don't have the true lengthening going on through your entire neuromuscular system, that strength is going to actually work against you and pull you downwards. And -hmm. that's what I was doing. I was literally fighting with myself and I'd watch in dismay. I'd be standing in front of the mirror and I'd be looking and I would just start sinking, sinking, sinking. And it was a feeling of weakness that was coming from strength, you know, I was already learning that concept that the, the thing and its opposite live in the same space, and that your strength becomes your weakness, and your weakness becomes mm-hmm. your strength. So, literally, my strong muscles were generating this weak posture. Mm-hmm. How, how fascinating is that? And you see people trying to strengthen their muscles to improve their posture, and they could be doing themselves a bigger mischief actually if they're not doing it right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, this goes into the whole idea of the balance.
2: It is. It is. A, it is it's the yin-yang balance. It's the strength-weakness balance. Everything's a balance thing. Indeed, mm-hmm. I do agree.
1: Okay. And so you were looking in the mirror, you had the problem with posture, and then how did you find out about the Alexander technique and that this would be something that would be useful?
2: I had a boyfriend whose sister was training in drama at the Royal Academy for Dramatic Arts in London, RADA. Mm -hmm. And she came back to Cape Town on a visit. And we went to the swimming pool, the university swimming pool. I'll never forget this day. It's emblazoned on my mind and probably on my spirit and soul too. And we were just sitting there and she said, I just came from a posture lesson. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, I, I, I came in, there's, a, there's one Alexander teacher in, in South Africa, and she's here in Rondebosch, and her name is Joyce Roberts. And I said, you must tell me everything. This is what I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bryson, it was so strange. I had sat in high school thinking. I was sitting and I was looking at the other children in the class with me. We were all teenagers then. Of course, it was high school. And I was thinking, there's got to be something somewhere in the world that can help me with my posture. It's not just me. It's everybody. We were all sitting hunched over in our desks, collapsed, their legs crossed and corkscrewed around each other and all this kind of stuff. And I was thinking, there's got to be something somewhere in the world that can help me. And it was right across the road from my high school is where Joyce Roberts was teaching the Alexander Technique, the only teacher in South Africa. And she was right there across the road from where I was having that thought. Can you believe it? And so I was looking out into the world. And what I wanted was right there in my own front door, as it were. It was so interesting. And that taught me a lesson, too, that what you want needs to be available to you. It is available to you. You just have to find it. Mm -hmm. And there it was. And there were even people in my high school class who were actually having Alexander lessons but nobody wanted to talk about it. I mean, we're talking about the 1970s. We're talking yeah. about teenagers. Teenagers are the same, no matter which generation, they're still teenagers. Mm-hmm. And they don't. you know, you don't want to talk about something like that in something to do with your body, you know, right. teenager, your body's not your best friend. Yeah. And so I didn't know, even though there were people in my high school class who were actually having Alexander lessons and, and, Unfortunately, nobody told me, but I found it soon after high school. It was a few years later. Mm. uh, It would have been 1977 when I found the Alexander Technique and Mm. Joyce Roberts. And she really had a good name for herself. A lot of people went to her. She she alone kept the flag of the Alexander Technique flying in South Africa, and then she trained three of us, Mm. and we went from there.
1: Oh, wow. So you had really intensive one-on-one training with her small group.
2: Well, it was a little bit strange, our training, because actually in order to have a recognized Alexander training course, you needed to have two Alexander teachers, which I think is sensible. You don't want to learn anything from only one person, but we couldn't fulfill that requirement in South Africa. So uh, actually, uh, you know, I was so young and naive because I was in my 20s when we embarked on trying to train as Alexander teachers, I suggested Why don't we ask them to help us? (laughs) Why don't we ask the English society to help us? So we wrote to the British society, the Society of Teachers of the Alexander Technique, STAT. And we said, look, we want to train. And is there something we can do? And they said, eh, I don't know. What can you do? There aren't two teachers. Mm -hmm. And then we suggested, why don't we go to a training course in England to be examined, as it were, to check that our standard was correct. And also to do training there so that we're not only training with our one teacher right. and so we had to set up a sort of uh, a going back and forth from cape town to london and getting ourselves trained and also spending time at the constructive teaching center it was the school that we we ended up working with and that was walter carrington we it was yeah. in, incredibly good fortune we ended up you know as luck would have it by working with walter carrington in london and that's where I finished my training and got the sort of stamp of approval and the official certification. So we couldn't certify in South Africa, but they mm-hmm. made a plan for us. We were very lucky uh, that they that they said, you know, come on, let's help these people in South Africa. And they did. And that was great. And it's interesting because actually in South Africa was a giant court case against... Um, someone who uh, libeled Alexander and Alexander mm-hmm. had had to fly to South Africa to defend his good name and mm-hmm. won the court case in South Africa. So South Africa wasn't on the top of the list of Alexander teachers. <laughs> <laughs> the good books, you know, but but Alexander did win the court case in South Africa. And that's an amazing documentation was the, the the trial and the court case, this libel suit and proving that the Alexander technique does do what it does. It was proven in South Africa in the South African courtroom of all places. How amazing. Very really interesting story there too.
1: Yeah, there's so there's so much I could ask you from that. I
2: know. <laughs> it's too much to talk about, <laughs> A, isn't it?
1: Yeah. A that you noticed this in high school, that you had this awareness about you to notice the other kids twisted up in your own sense, like yes. that wasn't all my mind in that at that age. And so that's no. remarkable, I think, right there. And then, right,
2: well, it's a girl thing. It's a girl thing, you know. Every, 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 people would actually say to me, you're so pretty, and it's such a pity that you've got such bad posture. Uh-huh. It, it was very hurtful. And I was given a nickname of Gorilla. Oh. Of people, because, because of the way I walked, you know, I was hunched over, so my arms sort of hung out. And I, and a and, and, and shame that the, the, the one boy in my class, he said, you can always tell when it's Vivian walking up the road because, because she walks like a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 helps I'm the now. Awareness. It was terrible at the time. Yeah. Even me a frog in my throat. I have to drink my water. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Memories of being the gorilla.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I talk a lot on this show with people, um, and we and it comes back to school a lot about being forced to sit in desks in this unnatural posture that we're forced to be in all day long from the time we're de- in developing in first grade all the way through
2: and just the schooling systems are very strange you know i've got a a slightly deformed finger from writing when i was a little girl because they teach you to read to write before you have fine motor coordination Mm -hmm. so you use the muscles of gross motor coordination Mm -hmm. in order to to control the pen and that's what really, really messes with your posture and really messes with your sitting. Mm-hmm. Is and, and, and you shouldn't learn to write until, until the neuromuscular system is developed enough and that there is such a thing as fine motor coordination. So you mustn't learn to write when you're five and six years old. Rather learn to write when you're 10 and 11 years old. Of course, now they don't even learn to write. So what am I talking about? I'm totally out of date. Excuse me, because you've got to learn to... Use a keyboard. What would I know? I'm watching my granddaughters figuring out that any old toy can be used as a phone or a remote and banging on it (laughs) because they're so digitally oriented. There's a big generation gap. So if we talk about our desks and schools and sitting and what we had to do and learning to do uh, printing and cursive, it's not the same anymore. So I don't know what they're getting up to and I don't want to. Because if I don't have any, say in improving it, I don't really want to know. I want to rather be an ostrich. <laughs>
1: yeah. I I think the one then there's seems to be like two, you know, you I mean there's probably several, but two obvious ones to avoid a situation like having to sit, or then there's a like a a technique like the Alexander technique to transcend the problem.
2: Well you have to be careful. I like what you're saying, um, because a certain amount of awareness about how frequently to get up and move, for example, would be helpful. Mm -hmm. I know we did a a workshop with Ted Diamond. He came and uh, Mm. uh, did some workshops here in Cincinnati. And uh, he, he really handled it well. He really applied his knowledge of the Alexander Technique. And he would get us to take frequent rests and breaks. And none of us was tired at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Because he got us taking a break before fatigue was setting in, and so he really applied the rhythms and the means whereby of the Alexander technique to teaching a course, and I I learned a lot just by observing that aspect. Never mind the fantastic information about voice and anatomy and so on that he was sharing with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very very powerful. But just to see how he handled and structured the teaching situation which was not hands-on experiential by any means. It was slideshows and a presentation of information and everything. And yet he built that Alexander rhythm and insight into how he presented the course. And it was a real, bi- really big difference from how we felt at the end of the day compared to when attending other workshops. I was really impressed, very, mm. very impressed. I, I tried to follow it, to try to apply that. And it's simple. It Just get up and take a break every 20 minutes. Don't wait yeah. for that hour to be up. Interrupt the hour with a short stand-up break. Breathe. Change your breathing pattern and then sit back down again and your attention span will be improved and your comfort levels will be improved. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy. Remember to interrupt in order to avoid fatigue. Mm-hmm. Simple enough. Mm. It's a good one. So um,
1: a lot of people don't know what the Alexander Technique is, and so maybe I can ask you to try to do the very difficult job of explaining what, what we're actually talking about here. So me and you know, because we're practitioners, but a lot of people have never heard of it. So how would you... I know. know,
2: and Alexander teachers make it so difficult for themselves because they want to avoid using the word posture. So I would say, let's put the word posture back into our understanding of the Alexander Technique, because it's our best word Mm -hmm. to depict what the technique is about. But to understand that posture isn't and shouldn't be a static thing, and it's not something you do. It's a very dynamic way of engaging your muscles throughout the day. Even when you're sleeping, there's a posture for sleeping. Mm -hmm. and 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 if you put the dynamics and the sense of movement and the sense of flexibility and the sense of ever changing back into the word posture and stop trying to think of it as a positioning of the body then you're going to get a better use of the word posture and I'm I'm interested that I put the word use in there because the word that Alexander teachers like to use for that is the word use mm-hmm. of the self so We don't split mind and body. We see mind and body as what you think is what you get. Mm -hmm. And that that is a very factual thing that we must understand. For example, if you're walking down a flight of steps and you think there's another step, your entire nervous system, your entire neuromuscular coordination is organized by the thought that there is another step. And then you sort of crash into the ground because all of you was prepared behind this thought and organized in accordance with this thought and alexander technique is taking that clarity that our thoughts organize us in a very specific way and give our entire system all kinds of messages to do with that thought that's Mm -hmm. what the alexander technique is using and it is therefore the thinking person's technique Mm -hmm. it is the thinking person's way of dealing with the fact that we are physically incarnated. And as we start to reduce the amount of interference from thought to actuality, from mind to body, there should not be an interference. We should be an integrated whole. And the more we can be that integrated whole, the better we are going to function. And that is what the Alexander Technique is dealing with. It's dealing with this clarity of how to think so we can get what we want. And that get what we want is in our physical lives, in the way that we move. It's in stress and pain reduction, but it's also in all our behaviors and everything that we do, because we're talking about our thoughts and we're talking about our lives. And we're not really reducing in any way to this is about the body or this is about the mind. We don't split it up like that. Our behavior is our behavior. Whether it's a physical pattern, or whether it's a an emotional pattern, or whether it's a thought pattern, they're all going together, hand in glove. They're all linked to each other. They're all really one thing. And when we start to separate them and put interference in, that's when we have issues.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's a brilliant definition. That's really good. Very comprehensive. Exactly what I uh, wanted. And I, I think wanted.
2: we should say. Uh, who the Alexander Technique is for, because I think that the question, what is the Alexander Technique, is really a set of questions. And so yeah. who is it for? It's for anyone who wants to improve the way that they are functioning. And so you will get people that are in pain wanting the Alexander Technique because it helps with like, back pain. It helps with headaches. It helps with any of those kind of dynamics where there's a an, an, um, muscular involvement that's generating the pain or a muscular confusion that's generating the pain. And that, of course, we are all subject to for all kinds of good reasons that we can't avoid. Like we talked about sitting in desks at school and we sit at computers and so on. So it can be to go from a, a state of pain or some dysfunction into a more functional state. But the most important thing to remember is that the Alexander Technique is used by actors because it gives them skills with their physical direction and the way they express themselves physically, that is absolutely fabulous as well as you can't have, you know, actors with bad posture don't get jobs. It's mm-hmm. just a fact. They can. It's okay for them to put on bad posture when they need it. Mm-hmm. You know, Christopher Reeve, when he acted Superman, he was a student of the Alexander Technique because he got that at, at college in, in, in New York where he went to acting school, not a lot of part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so when he was Superman, he'd direct up, as we do in the Alexander Technique, and open and widen and broaden. And then when he was in Clark Kent, he would pull down yeah. and he'd hunch his shoulders and he'd put his head down and so on. So, you know, that was a really good example. And it was very sad what did happen to him with the riding accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have no doubt that he engaged the Alexander Technique in his thinking when he had mm-hmm. to deal with that ghastly catastrophe as well. But um, because that's the Alexander Technique, it's a recipe for living, uh, a very good recipe for living as well. And so, um, you know, that's, it's for functional. So you actors, athletes, opera singers, all kinds of singers, They uh, lots and lots of famous names, these people... Avail themselves of the wondrous, wondrous thing that the Alexander technique is, and there's nothing else like it. There are spin-offs like Feldenkrais and things like that. There's an, a, a, a kind of an element of similarity, but there is nothing quite like the Alexander technique. It mm-hmm. is unique unto itself, and it's not easy. It's a lovely thing to receive an Alexander lesson. It's not an easy thing to learn how to teach it, mm-hmm. and it's not easy to learn. And, uh, you know, at that that higher level. Uh, But it's a wonderful thing, and it's very relaxing. It's very, very enjoyable. It's the best lesson, most enjoyable lesson you can have, except perhaps, Bryson, for some of the lessons you give, which I know are excellent too. (laughs) I know that you've availed yourself of the wonders of the Alexander Technique to enhance the experience for your students. Mm -hmm. No, I use
1: Alexander Technique every day, all day long. Exactly, me too yeah once you know about it you can't unknow it oh and, no and you wouldn't want to it was like something was missing and now, like i i, I think of it like these internal principles like you were saying with that with um superman with this um directing down and up so it's really a, an idea of awareness and attitude and then the body's projecting like the internal ethos of the individual and so, like you, you begin to recognize emotional states much quicker. Like, oh, I'm depressed, and you can look in the mirror; I can see my body expressing that, or I'm happy, or I'm neutral, whatever it is. It's like it's, and it just continues to develop. In the practitioner, the more you play with it, and you can play with it mentally and physically, which the integration of both.
2: Exactly, and 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 play with it is a, is a lovely way to put it, because you and I, we, we, we tend to take things a bit too seriously, don't we? And I, I was, I'm especially glad that you're using a more playful word to de- depict because we do, do want to play and we mustn't take things too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that we want to remember with the Alexander technique is it's also about having a better attitude. You know, the word posture mm-hmm. and the word attitude can sometimes be interchangeable
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that attitude can show up and and we want to be a little freer. You know, we're always learning in the Alexander Technique, free your neck, mm-hmm. free the tension, free yourself of, of all this tension. And one of the ways to do this is to take a more playful, fun attitude, not, yeah. not be so serious and intense all the time. Yeah. Just 90% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding.
1: Well, when you first come to, when I, at least for me, when I first came to it, I was so just really taken with it, just blown away. And I just wanted to know it right away. And that yes. attitude interfered with the learning because it was so serious oh, that's in true. some way. That you
2: is true. So where I became true.
1: rigid in my old patterns of how I should learn and I'm yes. you know, bad experiences in yes. school or whatever, yes. instead of being open and being like, it's okay. Just the, the yes. engaging with it day after day, it'll organically continue to come. You're
2: on the that's, right path here and be okay with that. That's exactly. I, I so agree with you. You know, one day I just thought, I was so impatient, I wanted to be able to do it. And then right. one day I realized there is no destination here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You just have to get on the train. And once you're on the train, you have to be satisfied. And then you must just watch the scenery go by. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, it's important. There is no destination. We must just get on the train. And, and that helped. without the Alexander Technique, I wouldn't have reached that kind of clarity. Because I'm a very goal-oriented person. Uh, And I know you are too. and I I know you're also goal-oriented. And the Alexander Technique really helps us, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It helps us to remember to pay attention to the means whereby and to be there in the present with what's happening Mm -hmm. and paying the attention to what the quality of what is happening right now, not some ephemeral goal that actually can never be reached. Mm -hmm. What is the quality of this moment now? And Mm -hmm. is there a way I can make this now moment better because if there is why don't we do that rather than worry about the future the future can never come Mm -hmm. it's never we're in yesterday's future right now so now is where we must pay attention and that's what i love about the alexander technique you know before the alexander technique i was studying psychology and they talk about being in the present and i think i wonder what it means being (sighs) in the present (laughs) This is all 17, 18 years old of me. What does being in the present mean? And there was, what was clearly missing was the means whereby aspect. I wasn't saying this is how to be in the present. Let's just say, be in the present. Then I went and had Alexander lessons with Joyce Roberts. And I'm standing there and I'm going, oh, I'm being in the present. Mm -hmm. And the Alexander technique didn't lecture me about being in the present or even present it as a concept. It just taught me how to be in the present by teaching me about means whereby, about how to be in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that in this moment, I'm thinking about this moment and I'm interacting with this moment. I'm not preoccupied with the future while I'm being in this moment. And that's what I learned as a practical, real thing. It was mind-blowing. It was fantastic. I mean, that moment of joy when I went, Oh, I'm being in the present. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment for me. I remember it. I remember the light in the room and I remember my teacher Joyce Robertson. I just remember the feeling and the sensation of the aha of a mm. concept, an abstract concept turning into a experience, yeah, like an actual reality, an actual mm. experience. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. What can I say?
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. I think. To like, uh, when we first come to the technique, and we're not aware of that, we're going to use the information we have to approach learning something. And the Alexander continues to pull you in, pull you in. You don't realize there's no end to this thing because you haven't been involved with something that there's no end to. Everything's had an end and a grade and an expectation. And then you come into something unique like this, and you're in a lot of ways disoriented. So you use the old tools. That's so try right. to find yourself in the new place, and that's where Alexander is so amazing
2: with this. These principles of inhibition and means whereby, correct? Inhibition means whereby, and because directing is in a lot of different disciplines, like if you want to d- d- be a dancer or you want to mm-hmm. sing or any, any activity, you have to direct, you have to send a message from your brain to tell your body what you want it to do, or you know, so directing is familiar to us. But consciously directing for via the Alexander technique on top of learning how to inhibit, which means stop mm-hmm. your habitual pattern from happening so that you can allow something different to happen mm-hmm. from the habitual. Then if we learn, once we learn that skill of inhibition, then our directing can come through in a better way because we can get what we want. You first have to empty out the thing that is happening. You have to mm-hmm. clear that. You, you can't put more into the full cup. You've got to empty right. the cup, and then you can put more in. And, of course, that's what Alexander Technique teaches us how to do, is how to stop that habit from filling the space so that there's something else can happen. Mm-hmm. And, and And what we also taught is that there are some things that will do themselves if you can get that interference out of the way. And that's what we want in the Alexander Technique, isn't it? We want the right thing to do itself. In other words, our birthright thing, the the, uh, reflex actions of our postural system, the natural responses of the uh, physical and our coordination to be able to go into play because they're not being interfered with. Those things are our birthright, but unfortunately they get a little bit twisted up and they get interrupted. And so we have to learn how to take out those interruptions and those twists and that's how inhibition work in the Alexander technique. And I was saying earlier that it's hard to learn. That's the part that's hard to learn. And that's Mm -hmm. the part that gets taken out by the copycat techniques that, that, that have seen a good thing in the Alexander technique, but they want to make it more accessible. They want Mm -hmm. to make it a bit easier. So they take out the inhibition part. And yet that's the part that really makes the Alexander technique, the special Special opportunity that it is. Yeah. I was going to say that
1: that's the doorway, at least it was for me. Yes. When you were talking before about looking mm-hmm. at yourself in the mirror and trying to correct posture, you mm-hmm. know, to mm-hmm. us, I think it's obvious. It's like you're directing more on bad habits, but because mm-hmm. you haven't that's got right. rid of the underlying habit, you're never going to figure out the new thing. You're going to create more tensions, more problems, more distortion because the inhibition correct.
2: wasn't understood. Yes. And, of course, the thing is that, you know, if you go to an Alexander lesson, you might not see the inhibition. And that was something that puzzled me because I'd go and have these absolutely wonderful Alexander lessons with Walter Carrington. Uh-huh. and I think, But he never even actually mentioned inhibition. And yet I knew inhibition was the key. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was there, but I couldn't – it was it was an invisible presence. Yeah. And yet it's the thing that makes it work. And I was thinking, yeah. like, how is that? how does this all fit together? I was getting like really baffled and puzzled. And then I realized, no, inhibition is the water that you're swimming in when you're having an Alexander lesson. The entire structure of an Alexander lesson is set up so that you are learning how to inhibit. Mm -hmm. And the teacher is giving you the inhibition information with his or her hands. Mm -hmm. And that is how it's being transmitted. So an Alexander teacher puts her hands on the person's physical body and inhibits some of the muscle patterns that are getting in the way and then helps the person move without those interfering muscle patterns. So you go directly to the experience and then you build from there. Mm -hmm. And I like to give people the experience of inhibition before I ever explain anything about it. Because I find that's more powerful. But if you give people explanations, they want to hook it onto what they already know. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to teach people what they don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't need to come to me to learn what you know. Mm -hmm. There's no point in that. You go to an Alexander teacher, you're going to discover what you don't know. And you must learn how to hand over and allow. A very, very big word in the Alexander Technique. you got to learn how to allow. Mm-hmm. And that is thereby hangs a big tail, a big tail that wraps around the universe even. Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was my big struggle. So I, I distinct as you're talking, I distinctly remember lessons. In fact, I looked some of mine up. I took many notes on me and your private lessons. And the inhibition would be there with the hands. I would feel myself jerking against your direction and recognize that's my habit. This is her keeping me from doing yes. that habit. Yes. But this, the, the tendency was still to come out of the lessons and think, think, think about them and try to do the right thing. The inhibition was the struggle. Yes, that's right. Especially to-
2: when you know a lot and you want to apply it. And then you've, one day you suddenly realize, no, it's this thing of trying that I'm doing. That's actually what's getting in my way. It's mm-hmm. thinking that I know that's getting in my way. It's this belief then I need tension to hold myself upright and not fall over. Yeah. That's with what I need to inhibit. It, it's, it's got layers to it, and it's got uh, subtleties to it, and then it's got some obvious stuff too. Yeah. So it's not all difficult, and it is all enjoyable. That I yeah, can yeah. guarantee. Yeah. I, I'm, I've never known. Actually, I heard of someone once saying that they didn't enjoy an Alexander lesson, but then they had one with me and, became an Ale- and went on to sign up and become an Alexander teacher and so went and did a course. After the lesson with me, after telling me, this person said, "No, he hates the Alexander technique. He's had two bad experiences with it."
0: Really? And
2: then he said, okay, "Okay." Then he discovered I could cook nice macrobiotic food. So he thought, right. "Well, I'll, I'll I'll try the Alexander lesson with this person. <laughs> She's <said>, a good cook," <laughs> which I think is a, the funniest gateway ever. And then he he went home to, to to Massachusetts and signed up on an Alexander training course straight after that which I thought was uh, very interesting after telling yeah. me he didn't like it. No, I don't uh, think um, he ever taught, but he, he was fascinated. Yeah. And I think that's the thing to remember is that Alexander teachers also have personalities and you want to find the right fit for you. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's important. And, and you want to get what you want out of an, uh, an Alexander process. You don't want to be told what you're supposed to be getting. Right. It's, a, it's a recipe for living and, and it's your life. Yeah. And you want to get out of it what you want for yourself, very, very important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I never had a bad lesson, I had many lessons, and some were better than others, but they I enjoyed them all. And then when I met you, I'd already had a lot under my belt, and I was just completely impressed with you. And I knew this is where I oh, stopped right here. <laughs> this is the one where you need to spend your time.
2: Oh, and what was it? What do you think was what impacted you? Because I think there's a lot of information and in hearing from the other side of the desk as it were, what do you think impacted you so much?
1: Yeah. So with yours, you, you just gave me so much to think about. Like um, you had me on the table, which was showing me my residual tensions when you would lift an arm and I was feeling myself holding in certain patterns and then on the floor with my head and moving around and sitting, but it was the nuances you had. So you were like, you have to accept this because I had an injury at the time, and you picked up on it. You're like you're you're not shifting your weight here. You're holding, and you're you just pointed out these much more subtle aspects of my use than the other teacher didn't have that depth. They they would put but their the hand on and make them
2: feel yeah, yeah you wanted the detail yes. No. yes and yes. like you said, well, I didn't it already. I have, yeah. I have to admit, yeah. <laughs> hmm. And
1: and you move so well. You would do things like you would show me. Uh, the way you would do the um, uh, position of mechanical advantage, advantage or, or monkey. Um, and I just saw the way you moved. I was like, I, I want to be able to move that way. And I recognize I'm not, I have the tensions that's preventing me from doing that. I was in good shape. I was healthy. I was strong. but my And more, much
2: more flexible than me as well. You know, you know, versus- able to do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but it is, it monkeys very interesting. And of course monkeys, like if you, if you're standing upright, and then you go as if you were going halfway to the chair, and then you mm-hmm. pause in the, in that position. That's the position we call we call monkey. So your mm-hmm. knees are bent, your ankles are bent, your hips are bent, but your your spine is lengthened and mm-hmm. and straight, but at an angle. You know, maybe mm-hmm. like a 45 degree angle to the pelvis, and uh, that that's the position we call monkey. And we move through monkey all the time. You know, as we move to sit in the chair, or ideally, we're moving. If we bend to pick something up, we must bend our knees and our, mm-hmm. our hip joints and our ankle joints must bend simultaneously this, the right amount. And that's what monkey is, is that availability. And so it is very interesting how few people can do a good monkey, no matter how excellent they are at um, sports, no matter how well-coordinated they are, because they it, monkey will reveal what's tight yeah. and not participating in that availability to the movement. Mm-hmm. and But you see monkey in every sport. When you ski downhill, you're in monkey. When you wait to receive a tennis shot, you're in monkey. Mm-hmm. All sports, When you in martial arts, you know, I did a lot of taekwondo at one point. Mm-hmm. All martial arts have monkey in it, but they, they stylize it. Every sport stylizes it in accordance with the dynamics of that particular sport. But every sport has monkey in it. Yeah. Every day we go through monkey many, 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 many times a day. Mm-hmm. Because every time we're moving, um, uh, raising and lowering our bodies, we want to be bending our knees, our ankles and our hip joints mm-hmm. and not making joints in our spine. And so that is so important. And I like to think of myself as the queen of monkey yeah. because I am very keen on helping people to develop their monkey correctly because it 's revelationary it's yeah. revelationary who can and can't I mean usually the the runners the lo- especially long distance well actually actually i don 't know if it's especially long distance runners, but runners and sprinters and long distance runners they can hardly do monkey their, their leg muscles are so strong yeah. that they don't have the tissue release and the uh, capacity to lengthen specifically the quadriceps. Mm -hmm. sufficiently to allow for a free and flowing monkey configuration is very, very interesting to me. So it's a very balancing technique, and it is the best way to strengthen your back as well. Because, you know, the back is tricky. It doesn't actually, there's no such thing as back muscles. There are muscles that are in the back, but the back itself doesn't have a muscle of its own. Right. It's a fascinating thing to look at the anatomy of the back. Mm-hmm. Because actually the back is the meeting place of your arms and legs. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that was me. I was the runner. I mean, I did many things, but I also had the running and the yes. monkey was something that presented an immediate problem. And I even came up with a term after meeting you, I was in a class. Cause like you said, I was doing yoga, teaching yoga, martial arts, all this running, whatever. But I noticed in the, I had all this quote unquote flexibility and then I noticed people getting up off the mats and I came up with the term stiff flexible. In the, in the class, they're flexible. Yes. But getting up and down off the floor, they look like just awful. Just, they struggled with it. They looked uncoordinated. And so I came up with the term stiff flexible. They looked so stiff. And they walked out of the room stiffly. It wasn't fluid. And I was scra- it was a head scratcher because I'm like, we spent all this time doing yoga. We're flexible. Put our legs behind our heads and hands headstand, whatever. But the movement quality wasn't there.
2: Right, right. The ins- inside detail, and ah. and and that's the thing with yoga, isn't it? And that's a big difference. You know, people say, "Well, is want to know is the Alexander technique like yoga?" Because they want to relate it to something right. they already know. And it, it isn't even a little bit like yoga. I mean, they mm. both deal with the with with the body and so on. Um, and so it, it's important to be clear that when you do yoga, you're doing a set of exercises. Mm. When you do the Alexander technique, you're just talking about life. Yeah. You know, and it's for what you're doing in every second. As we're sitting here talking to each other, we can be applying the Alexander Technique, what we're doing. I mean, you can secretly be stretching your leg as so many yogi practitioners yeah. do. <laughs> they are adding a little stretch in while they're waiting in line. and yeah. Do a little extra stretch here and there. But you're doing something, right? Yeah. In Alexander Technique, it's the opposite. You're stopping mm-hmm. that constant doing. You're yeah. stopping... The habitual doing you're stopping the patterns and it's about not doing something it's not mm-hmm. about doing something and if we not do our pattern if we manage to stop our pattern our habitual mm-hmm. pattern then we become available for something else and yeah. if, as long as that habitual pattern is sitting there we're not available to the new thing or the right. other thing
1: and we got to know it's there because it's running through mm-hmm. all the time but we're not aware we don't have that awareness mm-hmm. right mm-hmm which was also one of the early things I'd already signed on with you at this point. But I remember we had to do when we could put our hands on you for table work, when you became the subject. Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, nothing, we just barely put our hands on the shoulder just to get used to the position. And you were like, you have tension in your lower right foot or something I was like, wow, I do. And she, just for me putting my hand on you, you could feel my body. You could track it. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't I know. And
2: I started to wonder how I'd do that because it was it was <laughs> kind of an uncanny thing, kind of yeah. a bit spooky. But we had one person on our training course, and she was standing up behind my head, so I couldn't see her. Mm. And she put her hands on my shoulders in the way that I've taught. And the next thing I heard myself say, Have you got one foot bigger than the other? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I do. In fact, there's such a difference, so much difference that I have to buy two pairs of shoes. Mm. It was one size for my one foot and one size for my other foot. And I went, oh, it's funny. I could feel that. Mm. (laughs) By the way, her hands felt Mm. on my shoulders. And I had to really do a lot of tracking. To see how I'd got there in my brain, which fortunately, as an Alexander teacher, I was always watching yeah. how the, the 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 neural pathway turns into a thought, mm-hmm. or how the physical thing turns into a neural pathway turns into a thought. You know, I was always looking for the um for for what was going on. You know, it's very quick, but I would go back and just sort of think, okay, what was the actual uh, sequence there? Mm-hmm. And the sequence was that. Her hands felt different. That's where it began. The one hand felt different. Then I realized the side, the left side and the right side were feeling different, not just the hands. Mm-hmm. And then I went, I asked my own nervous system, what could this possibly come, be coming from? And my nervous system delivered the answer, her feet are a different size. And then that's what came out my mouth. Are your feet a different size? I wasn't going to believe that. It sounded like gobbledygook. Yeah. It turned out to be factual. And I thought that was a good one because that was so concrete. But it, yeah. it, it, it is like that. You can tell pe- what people are doing with their tongues. You mm-hmm. know, people have a lot of tension in their tongues. You know, a quick, easy way to get your whole body to relax is to check. Are you gritting your teeth? Mm-hmm. Are you holding your tongue up against the roof of your mouth? Mm-hmm. Let your teeth come apart. Let your tongue rest in your mouth. Now wait and stay like that and breathe and pay attention to that for about 20 to 30 seconds, which is longer than you'd think
0: mm-hmm.
2: once you're really timing it. And then you'll see that all of you has started to shift and change because you changed that because the way you're, you know, the tongue is the whole floor of your mouth. It's part of your neck or and your throat almost. And so if you release that tension in your tongue, it will help your neck to release and your mind to release and your body to release. And how simple is that? Okay. I'm just going to stop gritting my teeth and holding my tongue. So tense for mm-hmm. 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah.
1: I'm doing it. As you say, it, obviously. Uh, yes.
2: It's worth it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe let's talk. Cause I want people don't understand the amount of training that goes into this. So could you talk a little bit about, um, so if somebody wanted to, outside of just getting a lesson casually from time to time, let's say somebody wants to become a teacher, like what's required of that person?
2: Well, at the moment, um, if you're going to one of the affiliated societies, like an MSAT or STAT uh, training, that's going to be a three-year training. You have to complete 1,500 hours, mm-hmm. and, um, and you need to do it over three years. You can't, like, go every single day um and sort of cram those hours in and do them on top of each other so it's what's recommended is five days a week three hours of training
0: mm-hmm. per
2: day for three years uh following mm-hmm. a school calendar kind of thing and I, I must say that is the best way to train because it gives you time to uh, respond and assimilate to the information there's a lot of physiological changes mm-hmm. that need to take place so it's pretty much a maturation process Just like you can take, no matter how intelligent a baby is and how smart they are and how rapidly they can go through their milestones, it's still going to take three years to reach three years of age Mm -hmm. because there's a maturation process that has to take place. And there's certain things that can only happen in the nervous system over a period of time, and we're talking maturation. We're also talking about the development of clarity about the Alexander Technique and so on. So that is a pretty good um uh, clarification. So you wouldn't do want to do it in less than three years of exposing yourself on a very regular and frequent basis to the Alexander technique and learning. And but definitely if you had to extend because you wanted to wanted you couldn't do 15 hours a week but could say only do 10 mm-hmm. hours a week, you would could extend and maybe do do it over five years or something. And I know the society is trying to accommodate that kind of schedule, but that's generally what's required. Mm. It is a, it's it's demanding, but you are learning how to use your brain and your consciousness. Right. You're learning how to be conscious of consciousness in a very tangible way. You are making that a reality via actual physical things that happen that are quantifiable and that are measurable. It's not pie in the sky it's not invisible it's not energy work which i know a lot about because i do that too it is a most tangible visible quantifiable process and it takes that that uh, that amount of time and i don't know of anyone who hasn't considered their alexander training as the most amazing gift Mm
1: -hmm. in their
2: lives and so you know some some people come onto a training course as a visitor or a guest for a period of time because they want to immerse themselves in the environment of the Alexander technique and benefit as much as they can, but they can't make that full three-year commitment or whatever it is. And it's a very valid thing to do as well. So in in training to be an Alexander teacher is complex. It's it's the only thing that I can liken it to is training to be a psychoanalyst where you have to really get to know yourself very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like the It's like an analyst of the mind body um, continuum, as it were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whether it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah whether it's a, for training to be a teacher or not, I think I'm just I'm in, I'm impressed with that level of practice and the way it's set up. Because, like you said, it you have to go through this developmental
2: practice process. Yes, we had we once had someone on the course. I, we, we once had someone on the course that I thought it, he thought it was going to be like going to medical school where you get textbooks and you study right. the theory and then you go and teach other people. But yeah. no, you're putting yourself through a process right. and you have to unwind your own habitual patterns
0: mm-hmm.
2: layer by layer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it is, that's what takes such a long time. You can't become free and available uh, and mobile and well coordinated in your own neuromuscular system. And your musculoskeletal system—you can't do. Th- you can't le- give a person a lecture about that. You actually have to do it. You can't. Mm-hmm. You, you know. You can't teach something you can't do yourself. And you, as an Alexander teacher, you can only take your students to what you yourself have experienced. Right. So you need that three years of experiencing the Alexander technique via your own psychophysical being, your own self. You need that three years because otherwise you can't expect to teach. And Walter Carrington said, it's a minimum training. That three years is a minimum training, and he's right. And what that means is that when you finish your Alexander training, then you must go teach, and the next three years, you relearn everything that you learned on the training course in the practical, in the field, just like any other training. You can go learn to be a psychologist. You can learn to be a social worker. You can learn anything, but until you do your – a doctor, until you do your residency – Until you do that internship, until you're doing the practical, you don't actually get the full training. You've got to have the Mm -hmm. practical experiences before the training truly comes alive inside you. And that is how it is with the Alexander Technique. And unfortunately, most people who train in the Alexander Technique don't work enough straight after they graduate. They don't give enough lessons. And so they never, ever develop that last phase which Mm. is takes the same amount of time three years of practical internship style training that's what the next step is and unfortunately not everyone who does an Alexander training goes there. they they love the course and they love the environment and they love studying Mm -hmm. it's hard for them to get a practice together and to actually go and do it it's a terrible pity you know of course it's been the highlight of my life and opened so many doors for me Alexander technique, you know, things didn't stop there for me. I've gone mm-hmm. on and I use it, and it's my foundation for living, foundation for my careers. It's a foundation for every single aspect of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and then you not only teacher train, but then you went on to be to train teachers. So,
2: correct. What's more involved in that? Uh, you explain that? No, process? and you know, our training courses is, is dormant at the moment, and I don't know, you know, if it will or won't open up again one day right. in the future. I miss it so much because that studying that we were doing on the training course—I don't have anywhere to do that anymore. Right? You know, and and I I miss teaching Alexander Technique at that very deep level tremendously. I really, really miss all the things I was discovering and the connections I was making. It is a missing thing in my life now. Of course, I'm busy studying other things at the moment Mm -hmm. that are equally interesting. But I I do, I'm passionate about the Alexander Technique. I just, I love it. It it was a lifesaver for me. It truly was a lifesaver because we had very bad patterns in my family. And I'm not the only person who attributes the Alexander Technique as a lifesaver. I I know I'm not the only person. Other people have also felt that their lives were saved by it. And I'm definitely, I personally am in that category for sure.
1: And so Vivian, you're a teacher trainer as well. So to become an Alexander teacher, it takes three years. And then how long does it take to be certified to teach and uh, train teachers in the
2: Alexander Technique? It's either seven or ten years now to be, to be a teacher trainer. Um, and the thing is that it's not number of years, is it? It's number of lessons that you've given. Oh. It's how many – because you can have ten years and teach two, two lessons a right. year. Does that make you qualified? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and teachers teach a very variable amount. Some some teachers are teaching hardly at all, and then there are others like myself that you can't get an appointment even if you try because mm-hmm. we're so busy. You know, that's the thing to remember is that if you're willing to teach people, and this isn't only about the Alexander Technique, this is all the work that you do, Bryson. Mm-hmm. You, if you're able to teach people, everybody wants a good teacher. Everybody wants their own special teacher, and if you can be – teacher with a capital T to some people, you are really contributing to, the, to humanity, you're contributing to the planet, contributing to the universe. There's nothing so noble as being able to teach mm. others and every one of us, our soul yearns for a teacher who understands us and can teach us about our lives and empower us in our lives in a, in a broader way than it's not just to do with the topic. And that's what I love also about the Alexander technique, as well as the other things that you do, is that it's not just about the topic. The topic is a vehicle for something much bigger and much more important to that human soul and that human spirit. Yeah. Uh, and I respect that. I really and I treasure that.
1: Yeah, I, I fully agree. The teacher, to have a the, the relationship with a teacher, a good teacher is rare and mm-hmm. and lifelong. You continue mm-hmm. learning even out of their presence, like they they continue to teach even
2: when they're correct not here. correct it's kind of sit on your shoulder, don't they right. and it's it's a voice and it's a it's a good voice it's a it's a not a critical voice but a supportive voice that That's right. helps you make choices and and helps you perceive and observe things mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a good thing yeah
1: um so yeah, so maybe we'll go try to get a little bit more clarity on this to wrap up with the technique for people. So we have the inhibition. That's the big door. Yes. People need to work with. And that takes just skill and time, right? To know that they're trying to
2: inhibit. And I think, I think, I think it's that capacity to pause. And so, you know, I think the way, what we can say to people a very immediate way to do it is when you, when you feel that hurry on the inside of you, or when you feel that pressure on the inside of you or anything that's that uncomfortable, any uncomfortable feeling, it's time to stop. Just pause a moment and give yourself a moment because you don't have to stay on that track. You can switch track Mm -hmm. if you'll pause. And so you can put inhibition in straight away, even without any more instruction than what I just said. It's a capacity to pause instead of just pushing on with a pattern that isn't working. Mm-hmm. So yes, inhibition is key to the Alexander technique. Yeah, I feel like that
1: bit of information right there is you the, if you practice that, it will become an art, and it will just get better. Correct. So then, once we have the inhibitory pattern or the inhibition practice down to some degree,
2: then what's the next step for the practitioner? Then you want to you want to look at what we call means whereby. Mm -hmm. And that means breaking things into steps Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and essentially, and because if you, if you just think of it as one thing, then it can be overwhelming and you can say, I don't know how to do that. But if you break it into a step-by-step aspect then, or dynamic, then that's your means whereby. So you can say, okay. And and it's pretty much the, the, there's a book called bird by bird. And that was, a story by Anne Lamott where her brother hadn't done his uh, his project. And so it was the night before and he had to hand it in the next day and he had to do a project about birds and he hadn't begun yet. And he was in tears and he was overwhelmed and he was upset. And so, and she she tells the story and then her dad said, well, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna do it bird by bird. And that broke it into the steps. And, and that's what you wanna do. And that's means whereby you you, you break it into steps and that is empowering so that is the next step is inhibition then means whereby and then there's directing and uh, well you want intention the overarching thing before even the inhibition is the intention no. so if the intention is to if the intention is to walk from here to the kitchen then i must uh, i can break it down the kitchen is there behind me so i can break it down into my intention is to walk into is to walk to the kitchen. Um, I have to inhibit this feeling um, that I can't do it. Of course, I can get up and walk to the kitchen. So I say, oh, you know, okay, so my back is hurting. How am I going to get out of the chair and walk to the kitchen? Mm -hmm. Okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to uncross my legs. I'm going to lengthen up in the chair. I'm going to pause a moment. I'm going to choose something to support me, and I'm going to go up nice and slowly without worrying about it. So I've already stop just thinking how am I going to get out of the chair and I've broken it into steps that's the means whereby and then once I'm up on my feet now I'm going to be able to walk to the kitchen fine it's getting out of the chair that's the problem when my back is sore okay but then so then I've got the intention to do something then I must inhibit the pattern that's interfering with that then I must figure out the steps that's the means whereby and then I must direct and directing is simply giving yourself the instructions like the recipe now do this now do this, now do that. Those are the directions. And there's the package deal. Mm-hmm. Intention, inhibition, means whereby, and directing.
1: Very succinct and clear. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute delight to have you on. Hopefully we can do this again in the future.
2: Well, thank you for asking me. It's really a pleasure. You can tell I love to talk about the Alexander Technique, and I'd love to share Any stories and snippets that seem to be useful, I'm I'm all for it. Thank you so much for asking me.